It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Charlie. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast, brought to you by our good friends at my bookie. March Madness might be nearing its conclusion, but you still got a couple of games. The Final Four, the biggest part of March Madness, is what we've all been waiting for. The Final Four is here. It might not be the Final Four you were hoping for, but it is a Final Four nonetheless, and there is still plenty of of money to be made. So make sure today, guys, if you haven't already joined and create an account on MyBookie, do it today, guys. MyBookie.ag. Use our exclusive promo code while you can. Just type in UGA when you create that new account and you will receive a deposit bonus up to $1,000, a full 100% match on whatever it is you deposit with that first deposit. So make sure to jump in on that action today with MyBookie. You guys know I am Tyler. I am your host. And back from her much-deserved early offseason. Can we call this a sabbatical? I guess is what it is, Charlie. But you guys know her. You love her. The star of the podcast, my co-host Charlie, is back once again. I think you guys probably remember her, maybe, possibly. But Charlie, either way, it's been a while. How you been? I'm all right. I sound a little bad. Allergies getting me down. It's not fun. So I didn't actually get to talk to you last week. You texted me and said you couldn't physically speak. Like, like legitimately, you could not talk? No. It was horrible. Now, you still sound, I mean, don't take this the wrong way. It doesn't sound great, but you're here. You can speak, and I appreciate you being here. I'm sure our listeners do as well. Maybe. Kind of. I don't know. You think so? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Well, either way, Charlie's back. She's here at least for this week. We'll we'll take it. We'll take what we can get. But, Charlie, it has been a while. Back-to-back champions. Tough to beat that. I got to ask you, I know you love your off-seasons. On a scale of 1 to 10, after... A second consecutive national championship. How good has your offseason been to this point? Recently better. Tennis. Like to enjoy the tennis season. Tennis season. is It's a beautiful thing. Did you Were you out there last Friday? Yes. I didn't see, I, did I see you there? I don't think I did. Yeah, I said, hey. You said, hey? No, no. I don't think you did. Because remember, you could, I don't think you did. Yeah, at the tennis match. You couldn't talk. I was I didn't, waving I didn't, I never, and you said Hi. Oh, we didn't I didn't have a conversation. Oh, okay. I guess you're right. We did. I waved at you. Yeah. Anyway, yes. Tennis is great. Fantastic. By the way, while we're talking about tennis, I'll put this out here. A quick PSA. Huge men's tennis match at home Friday, 5 p.m. Biggest home tennis match of the season. Top 10 matchup. 
against Kentucky, number seven, Georgia, number six, Kentucky. We are undefeated in the SEC. This is going to be for first place in all likelihood, first place in the SEC going to the SEC tournament. Huge match. Kentucky's built a really good program of late. The last time we had a big match, the most recent big match was Tennessee. It was a huge comeback. We came out victorious on that one. And guys, look, the crowd was a huge factor, right, Charlie? I mean, that, you were there. That crowd was insane. It was a wonderful evening in the Classic City at the Dan McGill Tennis Complex. Did did someone write that for you? It's like you're reading an ad read on that one. No, I just... Did Manny Diaz write that for you to say, to put, plug that I in here? I just momentarily forgot what it was called, and it... It's, know, it's the Mecca processing. College Tennis, Charlie. The Dan McGill Tennis Complex. Come on. Right. Phil yeah. McGill. We got to Phil McGill, guys. Come on. In the Classic City... In the mecca of college tennis. The okay. Dan McGill tennis All right. I, you sound like a hostage who's being forced to read, like, a, 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 and I guess a prepared statement by a terrorist organization right now. I still can't breathe very well either. Okay. So. I'm sorry. You, you're probably popped up on allergy pills, I'm guessing, or I mean, who knows what. I don't know. You're not, I mean, <laughs> I've never heard that term before. I, I haven't either. That's why I said who knows what. I don't know what I'm saying. allergy pill. It's, I don't know. I mean, if you couldn't talk, I don't know. I've never been in a situation where I, I mean, I, my allergies have gotten worse. I've gotten older, but not to the point where I can't talk. So I don't know like what you take for that. You get shots for that. I don't know. I'm not going to the doctor. Drink a lot of tea. No, no. Okay. So I don't, so you just wait till it gets better. Okay, cool. Well, I'm glad you're back. Um, we got a lot of questions to get to today, guys. I guess I just completely skipped over the the tennis stuff. I forgot where I was. Yes, but big tennis match. Make sure to come out Friday. Support the dogs. The fans made a huge difference against Tennessee, and we need much of the same this weekend as well. Totally free. Should have good weather, I think. Charlie, you're the weather person. You keep track of these things. Yeah, it should be nice. Uh, Again, Mecca of College Tennis. It's free. Go. Support. Make it happen. Make it happen, guys. All right. Anyway, we do have a bunch of questions to get through today. We, I think we're going to break this into two parts. We had, um, I don't know, man, a, a ton of questions sent in. We're just not going to be able to get to all of them today. And I don't know if Charlie's voice has the capacity to last that long. So we're just going to kind of cut it in half and we'll try to get to the second half of these questions next week or soon. Hopefully next week, we'll just kind of see what comes up. There's news to report. We'll jump on that. But if not, we'll have some time to get some, get to the other questions. So if we don't read your question today, Again, as I say this all the time, but don't be offended, please. It's not a personal shot at you. We're just trying to get to as many questions as we can. We try to get to the topical questions earlier. And it's because some questions kind of be pushed back later because they can be answered at any point in the offseason. So that's kind of how we go about picking questions. It's not a, a personal thing. I promise you that. But, Charlie, we do have a bunch. Where are we uh, starting today? Oh, we're starting? Yes, Charlie, we, we are starting. That, that's when you're doing a podcast. Like when someone says, hey, where do you want to start? That means we're starting. I haven't done this in a while. I've got a little... Caught me a little off guard there. All right, our first question is from Chad. Um, he says, if there's a gun to your head, who's starting at quarterback week one? Who do we play in week one? Oh, the uh, the powerhouse University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. Oh, no, I'm right. sorry, University of Tennessee at Martin. Okay. So even even okay. even more of a right. powerhouse than UTC. Okay. All right, all right. Yeah, U- UT Martin. What's your answer? My answer is, I mean, you put a gun to my head, I got to pick one. There's no guarantee. I, I've said it before. I, I, I will stand by it. I do think it's an open competition. I think all three quarterbacks, Carson Beck, Gunnar Stockton, Brock Vandergriff, will all three have a legitimate option to show the coaches that they are the man for the job. I think that's how the coaches are approaching it. But I will also maintain that Carson Beck is still the leader in the clubhouse. It Through two weeks of spring practice, I guess two and a half weeks of spring practice at this point, from what I've heard from people that I know, it sounds like no one has really separated themselves at this point. And if that 
remains the case, then I think by default, it's going to be Carson Beck. Like he's got to be, the, if everyone is kind of like at about the same level, I think you default to Carson because he does have the experience in this. Uh, I, I know it's a new coordinator. It's not the exact same system, but from everything we've heard from coaches and players who, who have talked about this in uh, during the spring, there seems to be a lot of carryover from the Todd Munkin offense, the Mike Bobo offense, of course. There'll be some wrinkles, as you as you've heard from all these different players. There'll be some wrinkles, some twists. We'll put his own his own like stamp on things to a degree. But there's a lot of carryover terminology, concept wise, and Carson's experience, not just in our system, but just at the college level, understanding how to read defenses and having the experience. I know he hasn't played a ton, but he's played some, which is more than really Vandegrift or certainly Gunnar Stockton have played. So if it remains where neither none of the options are really separating themselves, I think Carson will be the default. But if I had to put if I had to pick, it's gonna be Carson Beck. That's still my pick right now. I, I I do think that the mobility that Gunnar Stockton and Brock Vinegrift both bring to the competition gives them a chance. It gives them a chance. And but I, when I say that, I want everyone to understand that Carson Beck is not immobile. Carson Beck is a really good athlete. He's just not the kind of guy that you're going to run a ton of design QB stuff with. Like he doesn't have the physical makeup, the stature. Both Gunner and Brock are a little bigger, a little thicker. They can kind of handle that a little bit more, a little bit more athletic than than Carson is. But Carson's not like a scrub when it comes to being being an athlete. Like he he can move a little bit as well. Um, you know, he's he was a big time baseball player before. Like he really didn't start focusing on football full time until his junior year of high school. I mean, that's when he led his Mandarin High School to a state championship. And kind of gave up baseball at that point because he realized, okay, I'm getting all these big time offers for football. That's probably going to be my future. So I think he's a really good athlete and he can absolutely spin the football. You put that together with his experience, um, which might not be a lot, but it's more, it's a good bit more than the other two options have. So, gun to my head, if I had to pick right now, Carson Beck, but I reserve the right to change that based on any new information that I might or might not get. And uh, I'm sure I probably might. Oh, I might not have to address it. We'll see. But right now, based on what I know, I'm still going to stick with Carson Beck. All right. Well, we know who all the big games, excuse me, can't speak, big names are going into next season. Your allergies do that also, Charlie? Like you can't think? Yeah. That's how that works? I'm just tired because I can't sleep. Because I can't breathe. Well, that's, that's a problem. Yeah. That'll, that'll do it to you. I got you. I got you. I got you. So we know who the big names are going into next season. Greg would like to know who your top three breakout candidates are for the 2023 season. This is a great question, Greg. I love this. I love talking breakout candidates because it is fun to try to pick like who's going to be next. Like who's that next guy? Like, you're right. We we know about Smile Mondin. Like we know about Malachi Stark. So we know about Kamari Lasseter. We, we know about these guys. But who's next? Like who is who are we not really talking about that is going to be that next dude to step up and be a big time player? And I think there's a couple, there's more than like three actually that I have in my mind here. But I'll give you three that I think that I, that I would put at the top of my list right now. I'm going to start with Dominic Lovett, the wide receiver transfer for Missouri. This guy was awesome for a Missouri offense that had quarterback issues um, to say that night. That's about as nicely as I can put it. Brady Cook, mm, not a great quarterback prospect. He still put about almost 900 yards receiving. Missed a little bit of time with, with some injuries. Got hurt in the second half of, of the game that we played against them. And as Curtis has said a couple of times, if he doesn't get hurt that game, does Missouri win? I, I don't know. He was giving us issues. I still want to believe that we would have won that football game. But he's a big time player. And he he is what I feel like we have been missing for a while. And those of you who have been around for a while listening to this podcast, you, you've heard me say this before. We've had some good receivers. We know we have fantastic tight ends, at least in Brock Bowers. We know that. We might get to another one here in a minute. But we, we haven't had 
that elite slot receiver in my opinion. Like the closest we've had in the slot was Isaiah McKenzie in 2016. In my opinion, like he was our he was our really only legitimate receiving threat, it seemed like, in 2016, Kirby's first year on campus. And he was like what I consider a true legitimate slot threat. He's a guy that is quick, fast, shifty, can beat you on the whip routes, all those kind of things that you want from your slot receiver. An explosive, dynamic receiver from the slot that is a really big matchup problem for slot defenders, for linebackers, for safeties. I think that is where you've seen the game of football, at least offensively. You've seen those guys kind of revolutionize how offense is played. I mean, just look at guys in the NFL like Tyree Kill. You know, I'm not, I'm not a big NFL guy, but I know enough to watch that guy. I'm like, okay, that dude is like, he's a problem and he's really a slot guy. And I know people want to say Miko Hardman. Miko was, a, Miko was explosive. Like in terms of straight line speed, I never thought Miko really mastered that position. Um, you remember he came in, he was DB receiver, what's he going to be, spent some time at DB, first year at DB really, then trans- translates to wide receiver, and took him some time to learn that position, and I don't think Miko had especially great like lateral quickness, it was more straight line stuff, I think that Dominic Lovett is what we've been missing in the slot, like I love Lad McConkey. Lad has been awesome for us, I think he's more of a slot receiver than anything, um, and it, he is absolutely capable of man that position, and I think that's one of the reasons Lad's been so successful for us, is that he has that ability you know, in the slot to be able to make people miss, to, to put on double moves, to to run those those option routes, or choice routes, all those things. But Dominic Lovett has a, a different level of explosiveness, a different level of athleticism. And I think this guy is going to be a flat-out superstar for us. I think he's, it's hard to say we had a missing piece when our offense was so good last year, really the last couple of years under Todd Munkin. And even, you know, 2017, our offense was good with the true freshman quarterback with Jim Chaney. <laughs> I guess 2019 was the was the exception. The 2018 our offense was awesome too. Our defense, people forget that our defense is what let us down. 2018 our offense was flat out elite in 2018. So it's not like we've had bad offenses, but this might be the kind of guy that can take our offense to another level. If there is even another level to take this offense to, I think he's that good. And, and from everything I've been told through two and a half weeks of spring practice, he's been absolutely balling out. So he is going to play early and often. I think he's going to be a big time impact player for us. I think he's a name that, you know, if you watch SEC football, you know who he is. I think by the time we get to like week four or five, he's going to be a name that all college ball fans know. Like you will know this guy because he is going to be that good in my opinion. The second guy I think is a breakout candidate here and I think his case was bolstered by an injury to one of uh, his competitors here recently is running back Branson Robinson and I, I, as we, as Curtis and I said earlier this week guys, I, I truly hate to see Kendall Milton go down with another injury. I'm very hopeful it's just a short term thing and we know he's out for the spring. It's a hamstring that's lingering. You can get some rehab on that. Hopefully he'll be ready to go for fall camp and I, I certainly hope that will be the case but we do know he's missing the rest of spring. He's going to miss every single scrimmage. He's going to miss G-Day. What does that do? That opens up opportunities for a very talented rising sophomore in Branson Robinson. And also, by the way, Dejan Edwards has been dinged up as well. He hasn't been full go in spring drill. So Branson's been getting a ton of carries. Andrew Paul's still out with the uh, with the ACL. So Branson's been getting a lot of carries, and so is Roger Robinson. The Robinsons have been getting a lot of carries. I think Branson's going to be in line for a big-time year. I'm not giving up on Kendall Milton. I'm not going to do that. I still think he can be a good player for us. But with all these opportunities, and, I, and I've, I've been pretty open about this even last year, I really like Kendall. I think Kendall certainly brings some value to our team. But Branson's a different level athlete, in my opinion. He brings a different level of explosiveness. I think he runs with a different level of power. Kendall's a big dude. I don't think he always runs... I don't want to say he doesn't run hard. I don't think he runs with as much power as you would expect a guy his size to on a consistent basis. We've seen him do it. Sometimes it doesn't 
it doesn't seem like he's running that kind of power that you expect someone who is size to be able to to run with. Branson is just a bowling ball. He's going to run through, he's going to run around you, run by you, all those things. I think Branson's going to get a lot of opportunities this spring. I think he's going to create a lot of uh, playing time for himself going into the, into the fall. I think he will be a breakout candidate for us at the running back position. And the third guy, we just talked about him. I, I, I thought about Lawson Lucky, but I haven't, I've heard a lot of great things about him. I've seen him in the high school ranks. I want to see it at GA before I go lost and lucky here, but I think he's going to be awesome for us here. A lot of like Brock Bowers-esque stuff about him so far this spring. But I'm going to go with Carson Beck. I think Carson is going to win the job, and I think Carson's going to have a really, really big year for us. In fact, I think if he wins the job, I think he's going to end up having a big enough year to to skip his, what would I guess be his redshirt senior year and go to the NFL draft after one year as a starting quarterback. And there's a couple reasons for that. Number one, there's a ton of talent around him. We mentioned guys like Dominic Lovett, Branson Robinson. We know what we have in Brock Bowers, Ra-Ra Thomas coming. Hey, Lad McConkey, you know, that dude can play. He's still on the team. Um, you guys know I believe in Marcus Rosemi. Jack Sands, a guy that can that can do some things for offense. Arian Smith is, a, is the wild card for this offense. I mean, Arian might have a massive year as well. And maybe he should be on the breakout candidate list. Like, did he break out in the... In the in the Peach Bowl, maybe he did already. I don't know. Um, but he can certainly be in line for a much bigger year as well. I'm very high on him if he can stay healthy. It's a big if because it's been a problem for him, but hopefully that will be the case. But right now, I'm going to go Carson Beck. Plays the most important position on the field. If he wins that job with all the talent around him and also the talent that he has. Carson is a talented football player. Uh, and his experience in the system, I think Carson Beck is going to have a big time year if he does end up winning that job. And right now, based on everything that I know and have heard, I'm still projecting him to win that job. So there you go. Dominic Lovett, Branson Robinson, Carson Beck. There's three breakout candidates for you. All right. So after three breakout candidates, we're, can you believe we're three weeks into spring break? Practice, not spring break. I wish we had a three-week spring break. Uh, three weeks in spring practice, Charlie. I know, man. Time flies. I feel like this offseason, I don't know. Is it? Does it feel like it's moving by faster for you? It's kind of flying by for me. No, it does not feel like it's Okay, so here's by. what happens. It flies by January, February, March for me because I guess we, you know, college football season is not too far in the rear view and I love college basketball season so I have something to like really dig into. What starts to go slow for me is like right when college basketball ends. So like April and May are the toughest months of the year for me. I have a hard time. It's like, I'm just like slugging around like, oh my God, you know, moping around and that kind of thing. And then we get into June, July, and we're getting close to the season. I'm, I'm okay then, but man, next couple of months, Charlie, I, I'm, I'm sorry if I just seem like I'm not interested in life at all. All right, well, now that we're three weeks into spring practice, um, we've gotten some information, seen some stories. Uh, Ryan wants to know, what's your biggest concern for the 2023 team? Okay, so I know this is going to seem like it's contradicting what I just said about Carson Beck being a breakout candidate and how I think he's going to win the quarterback job. I, I think all those things are true, but I think. I don't know. And the quarterback position to me is, as I just said, it's the most important position on the field. Like If you don't have elite quarterback play, it's really hard to win at a high level. It's really hard to win national championship without elite quarterback play. I'm trying to think the last team that won a national title without elite quarterback play. I don't know, maybe Mac Jones, like he was elite that year. I mean, you just can't. Like You don't win national titles without elite quarterback play. You just don't. Not in this day and age. Not with how football has changed. So that is a concern for me. I know some of you would probably disagree and say, well, Stetson wasn't elite. I, I, Dude, Stetson was elite last year. Stetson was fantastic for us, all right? I'm not saying he's going to be an elite NFL prospect. I think sometimes people get caught up in that, like he's not an elite NFL prospect, so he can't possibly be an elite college player. That's just not true. Stetson was freaking awesome for us last year. And I, I just, I don't know if we can sit here and say with 
any high degree of confidence that whoever wins that quarterback job, whether it's Carson, whether it's Brock, whether it's Gunner, is going to be able to perform at the same level or, or even close to the level that Stetson Bennett performed at for us last year. And honestly, like, I don't expect whoever wins that job to perform at Stetson Bennett's level last year. Let's not forget, guys, Stetson Bennett was a Heisman Trophy finalist. Let me say that again. Stetson Bennett, the guy a lot of, I don't want to say y'all, but a lot of people out there spent the last two or three years just bashing over and over again, telling us every which way that he couldn't play, was a Heisman Trophy finalist. This dude is a 2 time national championship game offensive MVP. He's been the offensive MVP of every single college football playoff game the dude played in, all right? So to suggest that we are just, it's no problem, like we're going to have that kind of quarterback play this year in the first year we're replacing Stetson, maybe, I and I hope so. It's possible. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm also not expecting that. And given how important the quarterback position is, that is a concern for me. I think we have a ton of weapons on offense. We have so many weapons. I mean, I just named them. We've got Brock Bauer. We've got Lad McConkie. You've got uh, Dominic Lovett. You've got Robert Thomas, Marcus Rosemey Jackson, Arian Smith, Oscar Delp, maybe Lawson Lucky, Brenton Robinson, Kendall Milton, Dejan Edwards. We've got so much talent. And I didn't even mention the offensive line. The offensive line might be the best offensive line in the country. It probably was last year. But once again, got snubbed for the Joe Moore Award. Maybe we'll finally get it this year. So, so much talent around them that you would like to believe that as long as they're pretty good, we'll, we'll, we'll be in really good hands. But you just don't know. And um, like I believe in those guys. I believe whoever wins the job is going to be a really good quarterback for us. We recruited really well at that position. All these guys can absolutely play. It's not so much about them. It's just more about how much respect I have for Stetson. I'm just not convinced that whoever wins the job is going to perform at Stetson's level. And let's be real, guys. There were a couple games last year. I don't know if we'd win without Stetson Bennett. I mean, certainly in 2021, there were some games I felt that way. But I I certainly felt that way in 2022 because I felt Stetson just absolutely raised his level of play a, a tremendous amount. So I think that's the position I'm most concerned about is quarterback because it's just so important and we don't know if we have the answers there. I think that we probably do, but you don't know and not knowing what you have, if you have the answer at the most important position on the field, that that creates some uncertainty for me and that creates a, a degree of anxiety. I'm not going to lie. It's certainly a degree of anxiety with that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Well, our next question comes from Josh. He said that someone said Kenny McIntosh is the most versatile back of the Kirby Smart era. Josh thinks that title should go to DeAndre Swift. What are your thoughts on that? Give us your take. You're just going to call him Josh like he's just some regular listener? This is our man Josh. This is the big dog. Thank you for the question, Josh. Yeah, Josh. Just my man. Big dog Josh. All right. Always appreciate it, Josh. You know that, my man. All right. So, Josh, you I know I... I texted you back about this Josh so I think you know my thoughts here but let's put it out there for the rest of of our listeners uh Kenny McIntosh was awesome man Kenny McIntosh was so good so good and I get why someone might suggest that he was the most versatile back of the Kirby Smart era because this guy was one of our top receivers last year from the running back position but I also see where you're coming from with DeAndre Swift but Swift never quite had the receiving numbers that Kenny did last year I mean, DeAndre was a two-year star. Like, he was the feature guy for two seasons, and he ended up with 666 receiving yards total for his entire career. Kenny put up over 500 receiving yards last year alone. Was it 505? Something like that. Yeah, 505 yards, 11.7 yards per catch last year as a receiver out of the backfield. And Kenny, you know, he ended up with 861 receptions in his career. He was our feature back, if you even want to call him that last year, which I guess he was. He was the closest one we had to a feature back last year. But that was one season. Outside of that, he was never close to our feature back. And he had 861 yards receiving in his four years here at Georgia. Now, DeAndre, granted, only played three years at Georgia, but 666 yards. I mean, I I get why someone would suggest that Kenny, based on the numbers, has been our most versatile running back of the Kirby Smart era. I get where where that idea would come from. However, I'm with you, Josh. I would counter with this. DeAndre Swift never played in a Todd Munkin offense. I have to believe that if DeAndre Swift played under Todd Munkin in that offensive scheme, that he would have been used much the same way as Kenny McIntosh. I believe DeAndre had very similar skills as a receiver out of the backfield to Kenny. I do think Kenny is probably a more polished receiver than Swift. I think by the end of his career, he probably was. But in that offense with his talent, because I think DeAndre is a more talented running back than Kenny McIntosh was, that he would have put up much higher numbers in terms of receiving yards than what he did under, I mean, James Coley, really. James Coley, and I I guess um, that one year under uh, Jim Chaney. But I would also argue that DeAndre was a better runner, like a runner of the football. He was more proficient between the tackles. And Kenny got better at that. Honestly, Kenny really impressed me the back half of last year. He started running behind his pads a little bit more and not seeking out contact, but being able to absorb contact and still continue to run, which early in his career... Kenny, that that really wasn't his game. One of the knocks on Kenny, at least one of my criticisms of Kenny, was that he would just he would go down far too easily, like too many shoelace tackles, that kind of thing. DeAndre was he was a guy that could run through you and was willing to run through you early in his career uh, with that low center of gravity. So I, I, I'm with you, Josh. I would still say that DeAndre Swift was our most versatile back of the Kirby Smart era, despite what the numbers might suggest. I don't because I don't think it's an apples to apples comparison because there's totally different offensive schemes and. He had the the misfortune of of having to play in that James Coley offense, that god-awful offense we had to watch in 2019. So that certainly factors into it as well. 
But I, mean, I don't think it's I don't think that Swift is like head and shoulders of you know above Kenny like the obvious answer. But I, I will side with you here on on, on DeAndre Josh. I'll, I'll give you the edge there because I do think that DeAndre again between the tackles was a more proficient runner, more consistently throughout his career, and I think if given opportunities to operate in the Tomlinson offense, could have done similar things from a passing standpoint that Kenny McIntosh did for us. Okay, our next question or topic comes from Michael. He says that he thinks there might be a toxic culture that's been created by Kirby Smart's leadership. He says, it seems from talk at the program that he Kirby Smart has created a real pressure cooker, and after the season, the lid came off and kids have let off steam in negative ways. Um, does it seem like that to you and that the program pressure may be harmful for the player's psyche? Charlie, you are a far more intelligent person than I am. I, I will readily admit that. So I'm I'm curious, what are your thoughts? I'm going to let you address this question first. I don't think so. Um, you can always improve, but there's always going to be... They're young. I would not say they're kids. They're young adults. There are going to be some in every crowd that make poor decisions. And we shouldn't judge the entire group by a few. I, I totally agree with that. And I... I totally appreciate this question, Michael. I think it's a fair question. Uh, certainly, considering what's go- what happened with, with with Devin Willick, God, that's just still so tragic. And and, the, and we know the the speeding instances. Like we we know that that has been at least an isolated problem. We don't know how extensive it is. We know there have been a, a, a few cases um, that have been pretty high profile. But my question would be this, Michael: Like, what is the alternative? Like, what do you what do you want Kirby Smart to do? Um, because they were going to face, these players will face pressure. Like when you're facing Ohio State for a shot in the national championship game, let's be real, everyone knows that was the, and our players probably realize that was the national championship game. And you're down late, time is running out, and you've got to make plays. The pressure is on. You have to be able to operate within that environment. That's what Kirby Smart is tasked with doing. And this dude, as Charlie, I mean, I know Charlie hates the fact that he gets paid $10 million. I don't, I don't want to send you off on that tangent, Charlie. You really don't want to do that. I, I know no I don't. One needs $10 million to live in Athens, Georgia. Within a, a month, you are set up financially for generations. Okay, thank you. Is that all you have to say? I, 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 I'm, I went there. It's my fault. It's my fault. You brought it up. You better keep on moving. Okay, we'll keep on moving. It's my fault there. But Kirby Smart's paid the big bucks to produce. And for his players to to perform at a level where Kirby Smart's producing the results that everyone desires, that we all want, then he's got to get them ready for that pressure. And that oftentimes means that he has to put them through that gauntlet in practice, in the offseason, to get them ready for those situations. So I do understand where you're coming from, but again, like, what is the alternative to not, to not get the guys ready to handle pressure? And look, life is full of pressure, even like beyond their football years, whatever job they go into, whatever family situation they find themselves in, life is full of pressure. You don't want guys to like just fold when pressure hits. I mean, it's inevitable that's going, like, you're going to face pressure. You want your players in the future, wherever they encounter pressure, and stress like that to be able to handle it the right way. And I, you're you're right in that maybe, well, you could potentially be right in that maybe some of these players are letting off steam in negative ways, but I don't, I'm not sure that I'm ready to concede that the things that they were doing, you know, with the speeding, the drag racing, whatever you want to call that, is a function of the pressure that Kirby Smart puts them under. Maybe it is. I don't think it's outrageous to suggest it could be. I don't I don't think like you're completely off base there, but we don't know that. I mean, like, as Charlie was saying, like these are these are young adults and like, we were all young adults at some point and we 
young adults do dumb things. I mean, I work with young adults for a living. They do dumb things. I love them dearly, but they do dumb things. And it's about teaching them that those dumb things are not good for you. Like, let's make better decisions. And I think that's part of the pressure like, that Kirby puts them through is like, I want you to understand that when you're in those situations, you have to make better decisions. So I I don't see the, the program pressure being harmful to player psyche. I, I personally do not. I respect your opinion if you do. I, again, I don't think you're entirely off base there, but I, I think it's a little bit of a reach and it's it's not somewhere that I'm willing to go. I think that's Kirby's doing his job. Like if he's not doing his job, he's being negligent. Like he's not putting these guys under pressure and getting them, he's not, he's not preparing them for what they're going to face. And I think he's being negligent in his duties as head football coach at University of Georgia making, well, I don't want to go there again, um, but he would be negligent. And so I, I don't have a problem with it. In fact, I think that's what Kirby needs to do. And we just need to maybe do a better job of educating our players that there are different ways, more healthy ways to blow off steam if that's something that you need to do. It's all about decision-making. All right, we're going to go for two more questions today. Can we do a, a quick little break here, Charlie? Sure. All right, because I meant to do it before that last question, but uh, yeah, I'm dumb, and uh, I didn't get to it. But we got to remind you guys again about our very good friends at my bookie. Again, I know the Final Four is almost over, but there is still time to make some cash. All you have to do is go to mybookie.ag, and as soon as you sign up, Use that promo code UGA when you make that first deposit and you will get a 100% bonus on that first deposit up to $1,000. And it's so easy, guys. It really is. Go to mybookie.ag, make that deposit, use that promo code UGA, and you're golden. You're good to go and you'll be ready to make all the cash you possibly can. There's plenty of money to be made this weekend with the Final Four, so jump on it before it's too late with hundreds of thousands of prizes for March Madness and their weekly blackjack tournaments. You can always turn your game day into payday with my bookie. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right. Well, our last two questions come from Tracy. Her first question is about baseball. So I have no clue about baseball. You mean baseball's not your thing, Charlie? Uh, No. I'll, I'll handle it. I'll handle not it. Not a clue. All right. Tracy says that the baseball team is 1-5 in, in the SEC. I did know that. So you know something. You're not clueless. You know something. I know our pitching is horrible. Um, pitching is bad. Have you been listening to the podcast? I have. You, since you haven't been on here? Yeah. I've while you're up, gallivanting across the globe? I've picked up a few facts. Um, Tracy wants to know if it's time to pull the Band-Aid off and cut ties with Scott Strickland. Oh, this is a tough question. This is a tough question, Charlie. I have to admit I am very frustrated right now with the state of our baseball program. We cannot seem to put it all together. 
One year we'll have fantastic elite starting pitching, but no, no hitting. One year, like this year, we have elite offense. We have absolutely tragic pitching. Bullpen, a consistent problem for us. It's getting very frustrating, especially when you see other programs in the SEC consistently winning at high levels. You see Tennessee starting to get together on the baseball front. It's very, very frustrating. I want us to be good at baseball. There's absolutely no reason why Georgia is not good at baseball, particularly when you account for all the talent in the state of Georgia. You know, there's so much talent in the state. It is a baseball freaking hotbed. And for us to be, I mean, we've been slightly above average. That's what we've been the past couple years under Scott Strickland. And I guess that's fine, but we have too many inherent advantages that we could exploit for us to simply be satisfied with like slightly above average. I, I'm just not satisfied. With that. I mean, it's better than being average. It's better than being below average. Sure, cool, but that's not my expectation for our baseball program. So it's been frustrating for me. I would be less frustrated with Scott Strickland personally if he wasn't so deeply into his career here at Georgia. Guys, I don't know if you realize this. We are in year 10, year 10 of Scott Strickland's tenure as the head baseball coach at the University of Georgia. Year 10. And in his 10 seasons, he is 282 and 211 overall. Got one tie thrown there. In those 10 years, we have earned two national seeds, which means that we have hosted a regional two times. We have no super regional appearances. He has yet to make it out of a regional. Even the regionals that we hosted as national seeds, yet to make it out of a regional. I would also ask you this. Has he been better than David Perno? Like, honestly, we fired David Perno and we hired Scott Strickland. Have the results really been demonstrably better under Scott Strickland? I would argue no, they have not. I mean, if you look at Scott Strickland again, he has made three NCAA tournaments in nine seasons. This is his 10th year, so I'm not going to count this year against him. Right now, when we start off one and five in the SEC, and the, our pitching situation, I don't know if we're going to make the tournament this year. I honestly don't. I'm, I'm hopeful. I just, I don't know, man. It's it's like it's touch and go right now. But three NCAA tournament appearances in his first nine seasons. Well, you look at David Perno. I know the last couple years under Perno, things got things got bad. You know, his last year he was 21-32 back in 2013. 31-26 in 2012. So his last two seasons, we did not make the tournament. We did make a regional in 2011. We weren't great. We barely made the, you know, we were barely over 500. We were 33 and 32. 2010, we were 16 and 37. Did not make the tournament. So one of his last four years as our head coach, we made the tournament. And that's not good enough. But we also have three College World Series appearances under David Perno. All right, we, we, Perno was our coach for what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 years. And we made three College World Series. So one out of every four years, we were making the College World Series. And we also made it to the final series. We were the runner up to Fresno State back in 2008. Scott Stricken has not come close to touching the highs of the David Perno era. Now, the lows of the Perno era, like he, he's been there his first couple years on, on campus as our head coach were disastrous. I mean, 26 and 29, 26, 28, 27, 30, 25, 32. You can say, well, our, 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 well, you know, we weren't good under Perno either. Like, yeah, but our program wasn't a disaster. And it took him five years to get the program to the NCAA tournament. We were very patient with him. Now, the one thing that I would say, there's a couple of things I would say in defense of Scott Strickland. 
2020, we were set up to be really, really good. We were top five in the country. We were just about to enter SEC play. We were going to take on Florida, who was also a really good team. And we had all the makings of being a team that can make a deep run in the tournament. Now, we also had the makings of being that kind of team in 2018, 2019, when we earned national seeds, which means, if and guys, if you don't follow, know what a national seed is, if you don't follow college baseball that closely, that means you'll host a regional, and if you win the regional, you'll also host a super regional. So it's a much easier path to get to the College World Series. You have home field advantage all the way to the College World Series. So I think we were really good. We would have had a shot to make a run in the College World Series in 2020. Obviously, that was canceled because of COVID. But there's no guarantee because we were that good. We, we, we should have made those runs in 2018, 2019, but we didn't. So there's no guarantee there. But there's a three-year run, 2018, 2019, 2020, where we were really good under Scott Strickland. But then 2021, you fall back down, 20, 31, 25, don't make the tournament. Last year, you know, solid year, 35 and 20. We were good. We were good, solid. We made the tournament. We, we made a regional, but we weren't good enough to host a regional, which North Carolina, and they robbed us, you know, with a home run. With a, they robbed us of a home run late. That Man, that, that was a tough one. But this year, again, I, I don't know where we are. So, again, three NCAA tournaments in, I guess, if, if, we, if you want to throw out the COVID year, say three tournaments in eight seasons, but has never made it out of a regional. So, I, that that's that's tough when you're, what was probably going to be your best team, digging to finish a season. You got you to gotta factor that in. I also say this. We have a commitment issue when it comes to baseball. That is the problem to me. That is the biggest issue. Whether it's Perno, whether it's Scott Strickland, it is a commitment issue. I do not know how many other SEC campuses that you guys have been to. I don't know how many other SEC baseball stadiums you have been to. Ours is by far the worst. Not well, I shouldn't say by far. Missouri is not great either. It is one of the, if not the worst, baseball stadiums in the SEC. These other places have palaces. Mississippi State, I was there in Starkville uh, over the uh, the course of the fall. Obviously, when we played in November, we played Mississippi State in November. Fantastic. Dude, Noble Field, awesome. You know, Alex Box Stadium for LSU, awesome. Well, Ole Miss has got freaking awesome. Florida's built a new place. Looks really nice. Alabama's built a new place. Auburn's built a new place. All these places, all these schools have new facilities and they're freaking awesome. We're, we are just dead set on keeping Foley Field where it is. And I know it's hard to expand because it's in a residential area. I understand all that. But man, like it, we are behind the times when it comes to facilities. And I know we're, we're starting to make a more of a financial commitment. It's coming. But I almost feel like it's almost too little too late. And it's never too late. You can always get back in the game. But, you know, through his first 10 years on campus, first decade, you know, Scott Strickland has not had that financial commitment to the baseball program that other coaches in the SEC have enjoyed. He has not. And it's not a it's not a Josh Brooks issue. Josh Brooks is over at the purse strings. Josh Brooks is spinning. Josh Brooks wants to win. This is a Greg McGarity issue, guys. Josh Brooks is trying to make up for all those years where Greg McGarity just dropped the ball. He took care of football, kind of, towards the latter years. Uh, when Kirby got there, because Kirby demanded it, Rick, I mean, I, I, and I think I made this, this parallel before. I, I see Scott Strickland a lot like Mark Rick, and that... Good coaches didn't get the financial commitment they needed to compete with the with their competition in the conference, and they've kind of started to fall behind because of that, and they get the blame for that because of the wins and losses. They're the coach, right? But really, you're not making the commitment. So I, I think the issue is commitment and recruiting. Uh, we're not recruiting at the same level as other programs and at the level that we should at, at Georgia with the resources that we have and the talent that we have around us. But again, the recruiting issues are more, in my opinion, a symptom of the insufficient commitment level than anything else. Now, I don't think Scott Strickland, you know, if you watch, if you follow Georgia baseball, you know, his personality kind of 
prickly, I guess is what I would say. So I don't know how great of a recruiter he would be regardless, but it certainly doesn't help when you don't have the facilities to sell that these other programs do. And I think that's a problem. So I'm torn on this, guys. I, I, I want to believe that we could go get a, a better coach and get us right back into contention, kind of what Tennessee did, hiring Tony Vitello. But I don't know. Like, Are there really high-level coaches out there that want to take on our job, even though we have some advantages in terms of the, the talent in this state with the, with our facility situation? I think maybe if you go out and tell them, like, hey, here's our plan. If you show them your know, renderings. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to build. Here's what we're going to give you. I, I think if you make those assurances that's happening and you – potentially maybe you could get a guy that, that could be an instant impact guy to turn things around. But I just don't know how attractive our baseball job is. And that really hurts me to say. Like, it, it should be way more attractive. But I don't know. Strickland's done fine. Um, I don't think we've been as good as we probably could have been under Strickland. So there's that as well. So I don't know. I'm, I'm going to reserve judgment. I'm going to see what happens this year. I will give you more of a firm answer after this season. Maybe we can straighten things out. I I, I don't know, man. Again, I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm starting to lose hope on this season. I'm not giving up yet. Not looking great, but I'm going to reserve any like definitive judgment on what I think we should do at the head coaching position with our baseball program until the end of the season. I know that's kind of a cop out, but I, I I try to I try to be as logical about these things as I possibly can. I just want to see how this year plays out. All right, Tracy has another question. She says that at one point UGA gymnastics or the gym dogs was the best program on campus to watch by far, and now it's just sad and depressing. So what's your opinion on UGA Gymnastics right now, and what has been the problem? Okay, Charlie, I am I I do watch Friday Night Heights. If you guys aren't familiar with what Friday Night Heights is, that's uh, with a, on SEC Network, Friday nights during the gymnastics season, like the early part of the winter. They'll show different you know, SEC teams, the, the, the gymnastics meets. As I've learned, they're not called games. I always want to call them gymnastics games, but they're not. I get in trouble when I do that. They're meets, okay? So um, I've learned more about gymnastics through watching that. Usually I'm just out on the town on Fridays and eating dinner, whatever, at a bar, and it's all it's on somewhere. And I've kind of gotten into it. I'm, I'm trying to learn more about it, but not an expert. You, however, Charlie, are much more of an expert. You were, once upon a time, um, if memory serves me correctly, a, uh, a pretty elite gymnast in your own right before the, the old knees gave out on you. So I want to get your take on this. I trust your take on this far more than I trust mine. I mean, it's been a long time. Um, I think that obviously Suzanne Yachlin was one of a kind. I don't know that you're... Five in a row? Yeah, I don't know that you'll ever get that again. Um, I think they should have given Jay, who's now at LSU, more time. But and if didn't. you guys don't know, Jay was the longtime assistant to Suzanne Yaku. Correct. Um, he was able to watch how she ran things. Now, when you promote someone and give them the job, of course they're going to change things, but they didn't give him an opportunity to prove that his way would also work. Um, and then they brought in, I forget her name, Dana. Durante. Dur- Dana Durante. Now we're on Courtney Coupettes. She was a great gymnast. I'm not the saying best. that... She's a horrible coach, but just because you're a fantastic gymnast does not make you a fantastic coach. That's very well said, Charlie. Do you think... Okay, so... But what is the problem? Is it is Courtney Capetz the problem? She just didn't have any experience. They just gave her the program. And yeah, Suzanne Yachlin was there to mentor her, but Suzanne Yachlin wasn't getting paid enough to really be a mentor, and she had moved on. It's not her responsibility to make sure the program... went to go win another national championship the year Courtney Coupettes took over. That's very fair, Charlie. This is a really tough situation. Courtney Coupettes was at UGA when I was in college. And when I was in college, 
the Georgia gymnastics meets were the second biggest thing on campus outside of Georgia football. Like sold out, and they still get a really good crowd, but it's not the same vibe. I haven't gone in a while. Have, have you been recently, Charlie? Uh, no, I haven't been probably in like seven years. See, I mean, that's part of the problem. People used to go and meet in these things. As a student, I would go to almost every gymnastics meet. You know, like the students would be into the student section is packed, it's full, and like they still come out. I mean, they get a good crowd, but it's not what it once was. You don't have the intensity. So it, it, it is sad. You're right, Tracy, to kind of see what's happening. Like, this was once upon a time, this was unquestionably the most successful program on campus. It wasn't even remotely a conversation. I mean, we won five in a row, and I was I was at UJ in the midst of that, and it was fun to watch, man. Courtney Capetz was so freaking awesome. She was so great. I think there's a couple things, and I, I think the first problem, Charlie, and you mentioned her name, it's hard to call her a problem because she was the one, she was the architect behind the Georgia Gym Dog, Suzanne Yachlin. But don't you think in some ways once she retired, she kind of was a problem for the program? Yeah. I really do. Because like Jay was a really good coach and now he's doing great things at LSU. Their program is much better than our program and he could have been doing those things here. But she was freshly out of the job. She retired. I think she still had too much influence there. And I don't know exactly what went on behind the scenes, but I, I, I've pretty good authority that you know she had some role to play with with him getting potentially moved out of that role he didn't get much time there um and then she i know she was very influential in courtney capetz getting that job as you said charlie she was she was like the mentor she was there at the meets i don't know how much how involved she was with practices but i know she was at the meets for a couple of years she doesn't really seem to come like she was on the floor of the meets like basically acting as like an assistant coach she's not doing that i haven't seen that in a couple of years but like i think in some ways her influence after she retired was kind of an albatross around the neck of our gymnastics program in some ways. I know that sounds kind of counterintuitive. She was so great for us as a coach in building the program, but at some like you know, in some ways, like when you move on, it's just like you move on. You just you just go. Right? You you don't have you don't need to have the influence that it's not good for the program. You need to turn it over and just let someone else run the show and do their thing. So I think that's part of the problem. But I, I think you're right, Charlie. I, I, I'm again. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm a gymnastics expert. I'm not. I'm not a technical expert. All I know is that our program has fallen off the face of the freaking earth, Charlie. We are in year seven. Do you realize that we are in year seven of Courtney Capetz? Uh, yeah, and I was also shocked that Scott Strickland's been here for ten years. Yeah, it's that crazy to think that. that. I know. I, this is making me feel old. Thank you. So old. So old. like, I looked it up. I was like, I, do, I was like, man, I know she's been around for a while. And I looked up. I was, 2017, Charlie. Courtney was hired in 2017. I would never have guessed that. Yeah, me neither. Seven years. Charlie, in seven years, we have been barely relevant. And it's only gotten worse. That's the thing. It's like when you bring in a new coach, you think, okay, yeah, you know, we're going to steadily improve. No, 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 no. That's not what has happened. We have steadily declined. In fact, not steadily. It's been a precipitous decline to the point that we finished dead freaking last in the SEC gymnastics tournaments each of the past two years. Dead last. The Georgia Gym Dogs finish dead last. Yeah, that means behind teams like Missouri, teams like Kentucky, and freaking gymnastics. That is absurd. That is absolutely freaking absurd. It's unacceptable. And I might not be an expert on gymnastics, but I know that is not good enough. And the head coach bears... uh, I would say more culpability in that than anyone else. It is your program. It's not like she's been here for three or four years. Seven years, Charlie. This is a this is a case study in the dangers of hiring a program icon to be your head coach. Because Charlie, think about this. What if you hire this icon, which Courtney Capetz absolutely was. Guys, if you haven't been in Stegman Coliseum in a while, the woman is 
front and center in the gigantic mural inside Stegman Coliseum. She is the one that's in the middle there. Not Dominique Wilkins, who's not even up there, by the way. Not Contavious Caldwell-Pope. It's Courtney Coupets who's front and center. She is the centerpiece of this gigantic mural that we have inside Stephen Coliseum. She is a Georgia icon when it comes to gymnastics. She was the greatest gymnast in college ever, I think, at that point. Right, Charlie, when she was around? I think, yeah. I mean, she was absurd. Like, Olympics, all that kind of stuff. She was incredible. But when you hire her to be your head coach, as you were saying, Charlie, it's a different thing. And what if it doesn't work out? What if she's not cut out to be a head coach? It becomes really, really hard to cut ties with a program icon if it doesn't work out. And I think that's what we're seeing right now. I think we're in this in this situation. It's like, how do we how do we pull away? Like, how do we end this right now in a graceful way? Because you don't want to do that to one of your program icons. But at some point, you have to just cut bait and say it's not working but she, i thought that you know her contract ran out last year i thought we were just gonna quietly let it run out and not extend it no nah, we extended it for another three years so i don't know charlie i, I think we're just in a tough spot here um but I, all i can say again not an expert on gymnastics but is it fair to say charlie I'll give you the final word on this this is not acceptable right agreed it's just it's just simply not it's just simply not but all right guys that's all we've got for you here today. We do have a, another batch of questions that we're going to try our best to get to next week. And if you have more questions that you have not had a chance to send in, please feel free to do that. You can hit us up on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA. You can DM us. You can just tweet at us. Whatever works. DMs are open. You can also email us. So that's easier for you. And that's podcast at gmail.com. But I appreciate you guys being here. We will have our first scrimmage of the spring on Saturday. So Curtis and I will be back with plenty to talk about next week. Now, quick Quick little um, just heads up here. I will be out of town this weekend. I'm heading out of town on Friday. I'm coming back my, uh, Tuesday morning. So Curtis and I usually record Sundays. That's when we've been recording our uh, what we learned from week one, week two of spring practice. So we won't be able to do that. So we'll have two episodes for you, but we're just going to get them out to you probably a little bit later. We'll probably have Wednesday, Friday episodes instead of Tuesday, Thursday episodes next week because I'm just going to be out of town. And normally if I go out of town like that, I try to record the episode before I leave and just get it ready to post while I'm gone. But I can't do that if the scrimmage is on Saturday. I want to know what happens in the scrimmage. I want to try to get some information from some different sources so I can have that for you guys. This kind of doesn't work for me to record it before I leave this time around. But we will be back on probably, I'll have it for you like Tuesday night. Um, but definitely when you get up to go to work on Wednesday, it will be sitting there ready for you guys to go. Just want to make sure you know that. Not not forgetting about you guys. Just uh, going out of town for a couple of days. But hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Again, Georgia men's tennis undefeated. Big time matchup. Top 10 matchup inside the Dan McGill Tennis Complex, the mecca of college tennis, this Friday, 5 p.m. against Kentucky. If you've never made it to a Georgia tennis match, this is the one to come to. I promise you, I know I say it all the time, you will not regret it. But thank you for being here, guys. For Charlie, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>